0: Have you ever felt so burnt out with your job or business? Like every single thing has to run through you, and if you take time off, you'll lose momentum and everything will fall apart? A lot of us start businesses in very scrappy ways, and sometimes we look up a few years in and realize that we've essentially just created another job for ourselves instead of the time, freedom, and flexibility that so many of us crave when we venture into entrepreneurship. And this is where the power of creating passive income streams slowly and intentionally really shines. This week, I'm interviewing Melanie Betts, the founder of thekidneydietician.com, which is a blog and online business that helps people with kidney stones and chronic kidney disease. Melanie is also an SEO Made Simple student success story. She joined the course in January 2020 while still working a full-time job with hopes and aspirations of building an online business that did not require any one-on-one client work because like many of us, she just knew that was not her thing. She was willing to put in the time and the work over a longer time period, perhaps, to build a sustainable online business that actually gave her space in life. Now, three years later, she's fully self-employed and making more money in her own business, 100% through digital passive income streams. Again, no one-on-one client work at all, and she never did it in the first place. She just kept her job until she was ready to switch to full-time entrepreneurship. And to top it off, she gave birth to twins last year. Talk about superwoman, right? Today, we talk through the journey that Melanie went to this point in her business. The different income streams she has set up, including ad revenue, course sales, digital goods, affiliate income, and speaking gigs, and in what order she implemented those. We chat about how long it took her to become eligible for Mediavine and how much content she had on her site at that point. And hint, she got there super quickly in the grand scheme of things, so definitely listen up if that's one of your goals. We talk about which income stream is her favorite right now and how she strategically uses email marketing to earn more income in her business. And of course, we had to talk about how she manages to run her successful online business while being a mom to two young children, because we all know how crazy that can get. If you've ever wanted a peek behind the curtain to how someone built their successful online business from scratch, then this is gonna be a fun episode for you. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. Hello, Melanie. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It really is a treat to be able to actually kind of like speak with you in quotes um, on the on video after being connected online for so many years. This is one of my favorite parts, honestly, about doing this podcast. And yeah, so yes. I know you've been working really hard to grow your online business. And recently, were even left your full-time job and just had twins not
1: too long ago. Minor detail. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, I think sharing those details, though, is really going to resonate with a lot of people listening, including myself. So <laughs> yeah. I would love to hear your journey on this episode today of you know, where you started in the online space and how this sort of like perfect series of events aligned to where you were able to leave your job right around the same time that you're about to have twins and be able to to balance that. So thank you for being on the podcast and sharing your story. Yes. Today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm truly honored to be here. I'm excited to share my story and chat a little bit.
0: Am I correct in saying that at this moment, you're not doing any one-on-one work like you were able to grow? Yes. Correct. Yep. That was
1: never, never my intention. Um, Because this all started as sort of a side hustle um, and just a side like fun thing that I was going to do. I was like, this seems like I could do it. Let's do it and see where it goes. Um, And so um, at that point, I was working at the University of Chicago and seeing a lot of patients and you know definitely didn't want to add to that i knew i was sort of starting to feel burnt out seeing patients so this was meant to be something totally different and so yes never never meant to see patients and that's not in my my long-term plan as of now <laughs> at least yeah. myself yeah
0: great so i guess my first question is like taking us back to the beginning what made you even like get into the idea of creating more leverage online income streams that don't involve one on one work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I initially um, didn't even mean for this to be a money making thing, honestly. Um, I, this is kind of embarrassing, but I believe it was November of 2019. I like joined Instagram, which right. <laughs> is <was> maybe <laughs> a little bit after people, um, and realized that there's all these dietitians doing stuff. And I was like, well, this is fun. I could do that. And then I just, my mind just kind of ran with it. And maybe the next month, I was like, I'll take a website. And I, through a website up on Wix. Um, and Katie Dodd, who I have volunteered with in the future or the past, and I know that she's been on this podcast as well, very politely in a very Katie way reached out and was like, uh, maybe that's not the way you want to do this. Maybe you should check out this girl, Erica. <laughs> um, you know, just FYI. If you want to do this, I was like, okay, sure, Katie. And so that is when I kind of realized like, oh, like this is actually something that you can monetize. And so then I kind of ran with it. But but truly initially, I just thought like, hey, like this seems like a really cool way to share information with the world. Um, like I said, I was working at the University of Chicago and I was just like so sick of people coming to me with just really crappy nutrition information. So at that point, I almost felt this ethical push to be like, oh my gosh, like I'm a dietitian. I have to go out there put myself out there and put like actual good information out there. And so that's truly kind of why it started. And it just kind of grew from there.
0: Did you do any investigating? Like were there already other dietitians who were putting out somewhat good information online or were were you feeling like there was a bit of a gap there?
1: Yeah. So at that point, there was definitely a few other kidney or renal dietitians that I knew on Instagram, but not very many of them had strong blogs. Now there's a couple um, and and definitely more on Instagram, which is wonderful, um, but definitely not. And at at that point, I think we might talk about this a little bit later when we talk about niching down, but, you know, I kind of wasn't sure what, you know, I just wanted to do like kidney stuff. And so I worked a lot with um, patients who had polycystic kidney disease And my job. Is okay, that seems cool. And then like sort of general kidney disease. And I also knew a lot about kidney stones. And so I kind of did all of those things at once. Um, but I've kind of found myself sort of niching down even further into stones, which I think has been a lot of um, why I've been so successful.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that you found the niche by doing. <laughs> I think yes. that's a common, <laughs> a common thing that comes up uh, for people listening who are feeling intimidated. We talk like a lot about, yes, it's important to have a niche. It really helps you, you know, talk to the right person and collect the right people online and rank your website. But <laughs> all that being said, most people don't have their perfect niche dialed in from the go. Like you yeah. got to do some experimenting uh, and it will come to you. So mm-hmm release the pressure slightly. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. And it is stressful. Like I remember thinking, well, like, isn't kidney specific enough? And it, it may have been, you know, but, but I, I think a lot of my success has been kidney stones since there aren't other dietitians doing that as far as mm-hmm. I know. So.
0: Yeah. So. And I love, uh, like you were saying, you were getting a little annoyed of people like bringing not great advice to you. Were they like printing out stuff from the internet and bringing it or just like telling you?
1: I feel like, yeah, a lot of people would say, oh, you know, I looked online and I was limiting uh, potatoes and tomatoes and bananas, you know, all the things that are, quote, no-nos on a kidney diet, which is just simply not true. Um, And these poor people were just like over restricting and felt like they had nothing to eat, you know, and that there's been a lot of change in what, how we approach kidney nutrition the last couple of years. And that really, I mean, was never true, but really isn't true now. Um, and so it was just kind of heartbreaking that people were living their lives like that, honestly. And so I thought that the internet and social media would be a good way to kind of reach more people and hopefully improve their lives, honestly.
0: Yeah. And if you do it right, which well, I'm sure we'll get to later in this episode, yeah. <laughs> then when people are Googling their question and that you have the sort of expert answer to, uh, if you optimize your post properly to address their search needs, you have a good chance of showing up at the top of the search results. And then they'll get your good information, hopefully, um, yes. above some whoever else would have been there if you never made your content. So mm-hmm. if I feel like it's true, I like what you're saying, kind of as dietitians, like, if we don't make the content, then someone will, other people are going to be educating your audience. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of opportunity there to be the perceived expert with your content. Yeah. 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 And I know what we'll talk
1: about, I imagine keyword research later, but, um, it was really frustrating because I wanted to write about like kidney diet or renal diet. And obviously I'm never, ever going to rank for that. Like DaVita and like Fresenius and the big dialysis companies are obviously going to rank for that. But I found that, you know, saying something super specific, like low potassium pizza which is one of the keywords that I've targeted, right? Like something super random. Um, I'm, I, you know, tend to, for those very specific things pop right up at the top, because I think there's just not a lot of other blogs doing kidney stuff. So,
0: yeah. Yep. Yeah. And depending on your niche, if if someone's listening and they have a specific like MNT related niche, it could very well be like that. Like sometimes there's a very common mistake. I'm sure you might have gone through this as well. When you're looking at the keywords that are available, uh, a lot of times you're just thinking of the big picture ideas and something so specific, like you just mentioned, like like potassium pizza or something like isn't even on your radar and so you're like looking no. at all the, the bigger terms and you're like this stinks there's no opportunity here but yeah a little you deeper. have to get creative it's it's an art
1: I think it totally <laughs> trying is. to find those good keywords
0: and I find that people either love it or they absolutely hate it <laughs>
1: yeah it depends on the day for me I think I have to yeah. be in the right mood
0: <laughs> okay so let's see what year was this then that you did you stay on Wix initially or you switched it over to Wix? so no
1: I, th- I think probably like a week or something. Katie <laughs> got me quick. <laughs> Thank goodness. So, so yes. So I think probably November, December, 2019, um, is when I launched my Wix website. I'm um, going to started my Instagram account. And then I learned about you and took your SEO course and, the COVID happened, as you may remember, right around that time in March of 2020. And so that honestly gave me the time to really dive into your course and really get everything set up correctly. Um, and then in April 2020 is when I launched officially the, my real website, we'll say, thekiddydyation.org.
0: <laughs> and were you also posting on Instagram at the same time? Like, did you have, were you trying to kind of like co-create like repurpose stuff uh, across both platforms or what was oh your strategy there? At,
1: at that point i was not that smart i'm still not that smart i need to do a lot more cross uh using my content in multiple places um so no i was definitely posting on instagram but it was you know it's funny i go back and look at my stuff at the beginning i would tell you and your listeners to, but you shouldn't because it's really That's really embarrassing, but yeah, I was kind of doing both. I was kind of just like, Hey, here's what I had for dinner. And I didn't really have a good strategy, which I have slowly evolved with, uh, social media as well. But honestly, um, I probably am spending a lot more social time on social media than I should be because most of my people come from, uh, my website and, and then my email list. Um, anyway, so.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. that's good to know. I mean, that information is super valuable um, mm-hmm. when plotting out what you should focus on. <laughs> um, okay. So you said it was like April, 2020 ish that you launched. Yeah. And then yes. I'm just throwing out a ballpark number. Like I think uh, the low hanging benchmark for a lot of people, they're like, I just want to get my first like 10 K visitors a month. Um, and then that once they hit that, they're like it's like proof of concept, and then I think it snowballs quickly from there. So how long did it take you to maybe get to that level, uh, and how often were you posting?
1: Yeah, so I went went and looked and <laughs> to prepare for our interview today. Um, and in February of 2021, I had 8,500 sessions or so. So that was 10 months after I launched initially. Um, but the next month it jumped all the way to 1,500 sessions or. or yeah 15,000 sessions excuse me i um, in march 2021 so like 10 11 months is when i started to to hit that and it really does like once google kind of like knows you're there and starts picking up your stuff it just exponentially at least for me and it sounds like for a lot of people really just jumped
0: yeah that's my been my experience as well but the caveat is once google like <laughs> is aware of you and that uh May take a varying a long amount time. of time. Yeah, it depend- <laughs> especially if in the beginning you weren't really honed in correctly with, with creating content. Mm-hmm. It, it can happen that the first three, six months you thought you were doing everything right, but you may not have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have to add on another three to six months, like once you're like dialing it in, you're like, oh, this is what Google likes and like what they're ranking me for. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I,
1: I do feel very lucky that I was doing it correctly um, from the beginning, essentially. Um, And I'm sure that really contributed to all of that relatively quick success, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, So I'd say one of the goals that a good amount of people uh, in my course have is to qualify for Mediavine, which requires 50,000 sessions (laughs) per month. So how long did it take you to reach that benchmark?
1: Yeah. So I qualified for Mediavine um, in October of 2021. So about one and a half years after my website went live.
0: Honestly, like pat on the back to you. That's an incredible <laughs> timeline. Oh, thank it's you. Really great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and then how often were you publishing to get there? Um, so I also went back to look at this. So I
1: have I had, at that point I had around a hundred posts, which sounds like a lot, but it's not like I was like trying to pump out a ton of content necessarily. I mean, I, I was, but it wasn't like. That sounds like a lot more than it was. A lot of those posts are recipes, um, that aren't even necessarily optimized for SEO. So I think that that sort of overestimates what it really would have taken. Because I definitely have recipes that I just like had created before. Like, might as well throw them up for people that are on my site anyway. I've, you know, should go back and probably optimize them, but like they're there. Um. So, but yeah, but technically I had around a hundred, both recipes and blog posts on my site when I qualified.
0: And I mean, there's 52 weeks in a year and over a year huh. and a half period. That's like, you know, one to two posts a week. Yeah, a that's year.
1: true. Yeah. yeah. hundred sounds like a lot more than it is over that, that time, <laughs> I suppose.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's manageable for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, were you doing it all on your own? Did you have any help?
1: At that point, no.
0: No, I was doing everything myself.
1: Um, I I do have a virtual assistant now. Um, she started like two months or so, I think, before the babies came. Um, so in February ish of last year, um, thank goodness. And I, you know, knew that I would likely need some help with with twins in my life. <laughs> and so, um, so now she kind of fields the crazy number of emails that I get from people from my site and helps people helps accept people in my Facebook group and puts their email on my um, email list and that sort of thing. So that's been wonderful. And, and thank goodness, um, she existed, because I went into labor a little bit before I thought that I would, <laughs> um, as maybe happens to a lot of people. Um, and so I literally was like emailing her or texting her from the hospital, like, ah, like, this is happening. And she's like, it's cool. I got it. You just do your thing. <laughs> Don't worry
0: about anything. So I'm really glad that that I have her. She's wonderful. Yeah. Well, good planning. (laughs) It really seems like things just like lined up really perfectly for you. So that's awesome. I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more about like the other income streams you have. But yeah, before we get there, where are you at today? Like how much traffic is your site getting today? Yep. So I am at around
1: 120K, 120,000 sessions per month.
0: Yeah, and I know not everyone listening is super dialed into what that means, but basically, it's it's roughly equivalent to 120,000 people coming to your site every single month. Like, which has been like Like, that's crazy. It's so crazy. I every time I talk, we talk about numbers on this level. I'm like, just like, can you imagine having a room of 120,000 people? Like. Listening to what you have to say—that's that's that's just yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. I I like to think about um.
0: So every day,
1: I touch between people who come to my site or see something on Instagram or Facebook around ten thousand people every single day, and like that's just so cool, you know. Especially kind of going back to my initial, you know like impetus for starting all of this is like, I just want to like put good information out into the world and help people eat kidney friendly diets in an easier, more delicious way. And like, I do that for people, so many people every single day. And so whenever I'm having sort of a down day or feeling discouraged, I like to think about that. And that kind of helps keep me going.
0: And it sounds like, do you think that the articles maybe were Performing better for SEO or or maybe the recipes would have, but you didn't really like take it take a SEO forward approach with some of them. Yeah. It's
1: a mix, honestly. Um some of my very top posts are recipes. Um, and I think honestly, so I do a lot of like low sodium recipes, which are obviously going to appeal to a much larger audience than just kidney stones or even just kidney disease. And so I think think um, for for the recipes that I do have optimized for SEO uh, my low sodium sausage is my top puller of people but I have way way more blog posts so overall I'm sure that they do bring more people so it's kind of a mix which is kind of fun you know like yeah. I can kind of mix it up and if I'm feeling like I want to do recipe then I do a recipe or if
0: I'm feeling like I want to write more informational stuff so yeah it's, it's kind of a mix. And the beauty of that too, is it plays to like both income streams. So with a recipe, like even if the people who come are maybe looking for it, because I don't know, their doctor told them to reduce their sodium for some other unrelated reason. Yeah. Maybe they're not going to buy your course, but you're still earning ad revenue from that traffic. So yeah, that's nice.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: And okay. So you have ad revenue. We just talked about that. What other monetization streams do you have right now?
1: Yeah, so um, a lot of different things, which is good. You're supposed to uh, diversify your income, right? They say. So uh, Mediavine is my big one in my course. Um, I, when, gosh, I launched, I think in early 2021, I launched my Kidney Stone Nutrition School, which is my course for kidney stone patients. And I also sell a variety of e goods on my site. So I have like e cookbooks and I have some resources for dieticians. Um, a little bit of affiliate income and a couple other random income sources. But my my biggest ones are definitely
0: Mediavine and my course. Great. And is the course like a set t- period of time? Is it like evergreen? Is it once they buy, they have access forever? Is it time limited? There's just so yeah. many ways to set it up. I'd love to hear what you did. Absolutely. So, so initially,
1: I had it in sort of a launch cycle. Um, so I I think I did three launches maybe that first year. Um, So people signed up and it was a six week course and they got a, joined in a group call with me once a week for those six weeks but then I was pregnant with twins and doing those lunches was a a surprising amount of work like every time coming up with different like email stuff and like social media stuff and it was just kind of exhausting Um, and so I decided that given my life changes that going evergreen would be a much better idea and so while I was pregnant I got all of that set up and so now when people um, come to my site, hopefully they see one of the cool ways to join my email list with one of my lead magnets. Um, and then once they're, they're on the list, I, I actually have two different ways. So they can, when they join, they have to say that they're interested in either kidney disease or kidney stones um, because I have some affiliate things that I push for kidney people who have kidney disease since I don't have something myself. But if they sign up and say they're interested in kidney stones, um, then they get my welcome sequence and um, eventually get sales emails for kidney stone nutrition school and and the other resources that I offer. But but that's my big one, my big offering.
0: Love that. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm just curious, how did you figure out, you know, what lead magnets to create? Was there any strategy behind that in terms of figuring out what might work the best?
1: I think it's kind of just knowing my audience, like knowing that an list is something that everyone is looking for. (laughs) And so putting that behind sort of the, not a paywall, but a, you know, Lead magnet well I don't know. I don't know what that's called. But so that that was a big one. Um, and honestly, kind of just getting ideas from other dietitians. Like people do such cool, cool things. Um, I, I actually. So you have a roadmap, or at, at least at one point you had a roadmap for SEO. And I was like, that's a fun idea. And so I created a roadmap to to personalize getting stone nutrition. And so kind of getting, um, coming up with different like ways of presenting content from other people is is helpful too.
0: Yeah. That reminds me, I was just recently talking about this as a tip, the oxalate food list, for example. I imagine that's probably a really competitive keyword that perhaps maybe you don't have the chance to rank for it in a blog post format, but you might see like, oh, geez, like 7,000 people a month are Googling this or something. So it's a, a sign that it's popular and people want to know it. So then you can just, instead of writing the blog post, if you think might not get a lot of traction you just make it an opt-in because you know it's popular (laughs) like Mm -hmm.
1: yeah 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 definitely or i think and correct me if i'm wrong if you see something that's super popular like oxalate then kind of figuring out something that's more specific about that Mm -hmm. um is you know kind of how you can go about that keyword research to find something that you you want to or, or could realistically rank for
0: yeah definitely like I'll just flesh that out maybe there's like people looking for like low oxalate breakfast ideas and like perhaps. that's one of
1: my first ones yeah or low oxalate <laughs> beans or low oxalate yeah. nuts like yeah. you know like, it just kind of never ends
0: <laughs> yeah and then once they get to your site with that niche topic obviously they're interested in that broader topic and then they might opt in for the opt-in that's related so mm-hmm. yeah 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 it sounds like you really like you just like got it, you know, like you understood how it was all supposed to play together. And then you just were like, okay, go like implement. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean,
1: I do feel very lucky. Like I feel like everything just kind of fell into place. Like, and I don't know, I, you know, I probably don't give myself enough credit, but I wonder if sometimes it all fell into place because I wasn't like putting pressure on myself. Like this was all just a fun side project. Like this was not my main job. Any income I made was just fun at that point. Right. Um, And so I just kind of like, Took the pressure off. I was like, just do it, Melanie, and and it's worked out. And and I feel really lucky that the timing just happened to work out so that I could leave my uh, full time job when twins pop into my life. So yeah, it really really is a pretty pretty cool thing.
0: So let's see. I know we just talked about how it takes a while to become eligible for Mediavine. So people, some people listening might be like, oh man, like even though in the SEO world, a year and a half is a fabulous time frame. Like that is really on the, the quick side, I would say um, in the grand scheme of things. But some people might be like, that's a long time to wait to try to get ad revenue. So um, I will say that a lot of people, they're not just like not doing anything until they get there. They might be coming up with other ways to monetize. So what was the first monetization stream you implemented on your yeah. site and why did you pick that one?
1: Yeah, so the first way that I made money was my e cookbook, <laughs> "Stop Kidney Stones from Your Kitchen," uh, summer edition, and I sold that uh for 1995, I believe, and like that sold really, really well, and so I definitely was making a fair amount of money that first year before first one year and a half before I um, was on Media Fine. So, yes, so that was my my e cookbook. Um, I did it honestly, because I had the idea in my job at the University of Chicago, like I was like, man, these people with stones just need to eat all of this calcium. And like, they get so sick of milk. So I was like, well, I can come up with some fun ways to do that. So I just kind of had this in the back of my mind and knew that that would be something that would be helpful for my audience. But also I did it because it's so easy. And it wasn't scary. Like coming up with a course at that point was like, overwhelming and like, oh my gosh, I could never charge that much money. Like I could never ask someone to pay me that much, but like a $20 e-cookbook, e- even $20 at that point was like, oh, like, I don't know if they'll pay that, <laughs> but they do. So yeah. So it was just really easy. And you just like throw it up on your site and and off you go. It's really, that that is one lesson that I've learned through all of this is that most of this stuff is a lot easier than I think that it's gonna be you know yeah. the The only thing that stresses me out still to this day is like tech like back like behind your website stuff like that stresses me out to no end and I always go back to your course and like be like okay what does Erica say and like walk through it um or I now just hire people to do that because I can do that oh and that's worth my mental health mm-hmm. but most stuff is is way easier like You know, keyword research in general is a lot easier than I thought it would be. Or creating a course, or the like, everything just kind of—you
0: just have to do it. Just, Mm -hmm. just do it. And is your cookbook still selling today, or is that? Yeah, definitely.
1: Yep, yep, it's still there. And now I have the winter edition, so I you know sell them um, individually, or I have a bundle. So yeah, I have that, and I also have a kidney stone guide for dietitians on my site. Yeah. So those are all the e that I have directly on my site. I also sell some handouts and stuff at RD to RD. So the income that I make from RD to RD, as well as most of it comes from my site is only about 9% of my total income, but it's totally passive. You know, It's there, people come to my site, I literally do nothing. So <laughs> that's pretty great, I'd say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree. It's like the idea of creating the content once and then profiting from it forever, really, forever. as long as it's still relevant. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you promote it like on your email list at all? Or is it just like people finding it on your site?
1: Uh, yes, it is part of it's kind of like tucked into some emails in my welcome sequence. Um, since I want to, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm selling all the time. And I want to kind of direct people to my course. But it is definitely in the emails as
0: well. And are you happy that you started there? Like if someone's listening and they're not sure, you know, what to get started with selling on their site, do do you like that you started with the cookbook? Would you do it again? Definitely.
1: I I think especially for where I was at that point. And again, just kind of that fear of selling to people. It's a perfect way to kind of get your feet wet. Um, There's basically no cost that goes into it other than your time, of course, to create it. And it just, it made me feel comfortable selling and, that everything works out and like the tax gods are not going to come after you and <laughs> you're not going to get in trouble, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I did. And, and then I kind of worked myself up to that course. And, and now actually just this week, I released my RD kidney stone course. Um, so I'm, you know, kind of more, more and more things, creating more things
0: all the time. Awesome. And going back to like niche selection, just, listening in the online community. Sometimes I hear people say like, oh man, like renal is so competitive. Did you feel like that before you got started? Or were you kind of just like, I'm just gonna go for it? <laughs> you know, I feel like I this translates know. to other niches. Like it's not just renal, but sometimes I see, see people being like, oh, I could never carve out my own space here. It's so oh, really hard. I
1: mean get... it's that's really hard for me to answer because I have nothing to compare it to. <laughs> I've
0: never I've never tried to write
1: for anything else. I I didn't. I think it was it was um I, I will say the little bit that I've talked with other dietitians is I think I had to be okay with very low volume keywords and really, really internalize the message that low volume, even like 150 searches a month, like if if that is a low competition value, like you are going to get a large percentage of that 150 searches a month. Whereas the 800 searches per month, you're never, ever going to rank for with a difficulty score like 80, you know? So I I do think that perhaps it's competitive in that, like most people are searching like these big terms. And I feel like it's harder to find these lower competition words, but I made it work. Like maybe you have to write a few more posts, like eventually that 150 searches a month adds up. Right. So
0: yeah. yeah and I imagine,
1: taking...
0: go ahead. Oh, I'm sort of taking a similar approach on our newer site. Uh, I think we'll go anywhere. Like as long as it's like over a hundred <laughs> searches per month, like mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to go deep into content clusters instead of broad and just experiment yeah. and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, But I have anecdotally so far, we just started getting like picked up in Google over the last few months really, but we're quickly able to grab featured snippets. Um, And you know, that we get really good click through even on the lower volume ones um, if we can get the featured snippet. So it depends on your goals.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. And and I think it probably did help that I had some of those higher volume recipes that were reaching a larger audience, like we talked about earlier. Probably if I didn't have those, it would have taken me some more time, but but still not impossible at all.
0: And it sounds like as well, like not being afraid to keep niching tighter and tighter. (laughs) I feel like what that's going to send, the message it's going to send to Google is like, okay, this isn't just a renal blog. It's like, oh, lots and lots of content, interlinked, (laughs) enriching content that they can clearly see how it's all related and relevant for people with kidney stones, for example. Uh, And then that gives you a little edge in anything related to kidney stones. Like if you have like a mass amount of kidney stone related content and Google can clearly understand that you're like an authority in that topic, then that gives you a lot greater chance of ranking well versus another renal dietitian who's has two posts on kidney stones and two posts on this other thing and two posts on mm-hmm. this and this and this, and then they never really go deep in anything. Um, yeah. So yeah, I imagine that probably was beneficial over the long yeah. run too.
1: And I feel like I'm starting to really capitalize on that like specificness um because just the last uh, couple months I've been allowing myself to write for for keywords that are kidney stone related that have a slightly higher competition score and I found that I'm still like jumping like the next day into like position six or so so Mm -hmm. um so I like it has to be benefiting me the fact that I just write about kidney stones all the time
0: (laughs) yeah I also feel like this is something that has been becoming more and more and more important like each year like you know 2018 or something when we were start when I started my courses it's like this wasn't as big of a deal you could get away still with like being a little more broad but as the years have gone on it does seem like Google is favoring like niche expertise a lot more so I
1: suppose that makes sense because there's probably a gazillion more people doing it right (laughs) there's probably way more (laughs) blogs and so they just they can find specialty people perhaps
0: yeah yep and okay so just to recap the ways that your blog is making money today uh you said MediaVine was your number mm-hmm. one with maybe like a third of your income or so yep. um and then your course they're they're yep. close right yes. um and then digital goods and then how does affiliate stuff play in
1: Yeah. So I do have some content on there for kidney disease. And so I, and also have kind of like that separate email list, like I said, for people who sign up who have kidney disease, but don't have anything to offer them. Um, And so I'm an affiliate for a couple other dietitian um, dietitians courses and and, um, cookbooks and other, other things. And so I sell that those affiliate sales through my email list. So that's Mm -hmm. just a little bit like 5% or so of my income, but it's again, pretty much passive, right? It's in my welcome sequence there, you know, just kind of comes in once a month. So that's great. And I also, about 10% um, of my income comes from different presentations and speaking types of things. Um, one, One totally unforeseen benefit of kind of putting myself out there is that I found that it's really catapulted my career as a whole. I have you know, spoken this year. I'm speaking at the National Kidney Foundation's National Conference and I did a couple years ago. And like, I've just like all of a sudden, all these people just know that I exist. And so I have all these opportunities. I, I kind of dabble in the research world as well. And so I've had ways to connect with other researchers and publish and do these presentations and do projects with National Kidney. Like all sorts of random cool opportunities have just fallen in my lap because people just know that I exist. It's not that I'm that cool. It's just that people know that I exist, um, and so they they know to reach out to me when they're looking for for a kidney dietitian, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's cool. It's only like ten percent of my my income, but it's just fun to kind of put myself out there and and help teach the field and, and other healthcare professionals. So. So like I said, that's 10%. And then the last 10% is from different ads that I sell. So like, you know, people say like, hey, I want to touch your email list. Can I, you know, send it a dedicated email uh, to sell my product? So I have a little bit of that. I would love to do more of that. Um, maybe that'll be a goal that I work on this year, but but I have done started, started to dabble in that a little bit too. Yeah, well, that's exciting. Huh. And out of all of those, do you have a favorite? Definitely the course. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like, I don't know, selfishly, it's just so easy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like you do all, it's a lot of work up front to be fair. Um, But then once it's there, like it just is there. And like, it's so fun to like log into my email. And be like, oh, like I sold another course. Like, this is so great. But also it's just cool to know that without doing much of anything right now, um, I just like help that person prevent stones. Right. And, you know, it's just such a personal way to help people, I think. But also you can reach so many more people with it compared to doing one-on-one work. So mm-hmm. definitely my my course is my favorite, which is why I'm so excited about my dietitian kidney stone course <laughs> that just, again, came out this week.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's going a little off topic, but can what was it like to be able to rely on those non-trading your time for money income streams as a new mom? Oh my gosh. Like the biggest blessing in the world
1: yeah being a mom and parenting is a lot more work than i anticipated i feel like a lot of people probably feel like that and i actually took six weeks off of work um and decided to not go back to work after those six sorry six months not six weeks six six months off and so you know before the babies came i was like oh this will be great like i'll be able to they'll nap and then i'll be able to write stuff and won't be able to do as much, but like, I'll totally still be able to write blog posts and do all the things. No, like I could do nothing. I think I wrote one blog post that I basically had totally written before the babies came the entire last year, like between May when the babies were born and December. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a lot of work. Um, And I think, you know, especially if I had no income from a full-time job, the fact that all of this was passive, like would have been, and it was, you know, the the best thing in the entire world, like so much stress taken off of you, knowing that these streams are set up, like the income is just gonna, just gonna keep coming, even though you don't have to do that much.
0: Yeah, yeah. It really speaks to like, the power of just like setting up the right systems, I think, because that is one of like, you said, a lot of your your leads and stuff are coming from SEO and your audience. And that's like one of my favorite parts of it. It's like once you're ranking for a keyword, I mean, granted, yes, there's algorithm updates that could smack you down. But for the most part, as long as the content is good and stays relevant and up to date, it's like you are probably have a good shot at maintaining those rankings and your traffic's not going to go from like, usually isn't going to go from like (laughs) 120,000 people down to like 10 or something. So it's a nice, relatively stable stream. And if you know how to capitalize it on the back end with your email and all those other methods of selling, like, yeah, you can take a step back and everything doesn't fall apart. So that is really nice. (laughs) Really, really nice. Yeah. So let's see, in terms of marketing. So we know that you get a lot of traffic to your website from... Uh, search, but getting the audience <laughs> and getting eyeballs on your band is different than necessarily like selling something. I think so. Like wh- how are you selling? Uh, what's your most successful channel there?
1: Just my email list, I'd say. Um, this marketing in general, like marketing 101 is on my to- do list <laughs> this year because I feel like this is not something I know very much about. I'm not very good at. but I feel like I have this huge audience that I'm probably not monetizing or monopolizing on as well as I could be. But as of right now, basically all of the selling is being done via my email list, which is essentially SEO, right? Cause that's how people find me is Google and then they sign up for my email list and then they go into those funnels and that's how they learn about my stuff. Um, there is a little bit of selling that I do on social media but not very much. And that is where I, re- I really need to spend some time to figure out <laughs> how to do that a lot better. So yeah, so that's
0: what I do. Yeah, I'm sort of, I feel like I'm sort of in a similar place where it's like, once you have your systems with blogging or podcasting or whatever your evergreen content creation is, like once that's in place and it's working and growing your audience, it's like, then you can kind of layer on in the next strategy mm-hmm. uh, because you you just kind of know what to do and it's working <laughs> those systems you have now uh, and it gives you the space to kind of maybe outsource some of it and like pull back your own time and experiment with something new. Uh yeah. So that's fun. So how, how big is your email list right now? If you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. I have around 11,000 people on it. I mean, that is a, that's a large amount, but in the grand grand scheme of like the world, it's not that many people and it's enough to make, I don't, I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing how much you're making, but enough to replace your, your full-time income, uh, yeah. with, I mean, a product that is your course. I imagine it's probably not more than like a couple hundred dollars. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: There, well, there's two levels. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so as, as of right now, there's, uh, like just a basic enrollment that is about three fifty, um, or it is like, uh, 500 to be able to get my feedback on like urine tests and join in group calls. So mm-hmm. not, not a ton. Right.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: when you think about replacing an entire, your entire salary, but I actually in 2022 made more money from my blog, about 30,000 more than my salary.
0: Wow. That's incredible.
1: Doing that's, nothing. I since
0: <laughs> well, not I doing know. nothing,
1: raising two babies, but but not doing anything basically for, um,
0: for my website. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations to you. Cause that's a huge, huge win. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. And I don't, are you feeling like kind of like you're coming up for air? Maybe not yet. I don't know. It took me like a full year to feel like I could do anything else. <laughs> and that was yeah. with one baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. People say all time, like, how do you do twins? I'm like, truly, I don't know. Like literally <laughs> hour by hour. Um, but yeah, I do. I I feel like six months was a big sort of <gasps> Oh, like I kind of start to feel like myself again. And that is also when daycare started, which I think
0: (laughs) was a huge
1: piece of that. Like, oh, I can go get my nails done and just like feel like myself. But yeah, I think- I think I'm starting, really, really starting to feel like myself. And I, one of the biggest things when I went back to work was just feeling like I couldn't produce like I could before. You know, I I think I sort of pride myself on being just really good at like doing stuff. Like I can do lots of things and I just, I couldn't, like my mind wasn't there. I was so still so tired, but, but at that point, really, really tired. But now the babies are almost 10 months. they will be 10 months next week. Um, and now I'm starting to feel, you know, even more in my groove. So hopefully I'll be even, totally back to normal, Melanie, at one year, right?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Right. <laughs> so then how do you have any tips on like staying organized in this season where you're, you know, Gosh. at least trying to maintain your business uh, with the hours that you have?
1: Yeah. Lists are my best friend. Like I could not, I have this very elaborate system of lists, <laughs> like I have. Um, You know, like, all right, these things I want to get done this year, and then I get massively overwhelmed. Like, that's my issue. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to do all these things. So I have to literally, like, break it down. Like, okay, so in February, I'm doing these things. And then each week at the beginning of the week, I say, okay, these are the things I'm doing this week. Um, cause otherwise I just like, can't focus and I want to do everything all at once. So that forces me to kind of just focus on what, what I can do. I think also I have to be a little more realistic about what I can do. You know, I, I can't do all the things that I could before because <laughs> I do have two babies. Um, they're, they take up a lot of time and a lot of energy. So, um, so just kind of giving myself that space to be a mom, um, and being okay with that and <laughs> there's a lot of, uh self-growth that comes with being a mom, but, you know, just kind of allowing myself to be okay with doing less, but, but keeping those lists of course, to, to make sure to keep myself on track and not overwhelmed.
0: Yeah. Do you, could you share like maybe what your typical week looks like?
1: It's like totally different each week, which is what I love. You know, it keeps things interesting, but like usually in a week I'll, you know, maybe write a blog post. Um, I'm still doing a lot of volunteer work. It's still publishing a little bit. So I'll just work on that, like just kind of a mix of lots of, of different things. Um and one thing that I've had to get used to since I'm officially full time the kidney dietitian. I'm um, that I'm like back to work now that the babies are in daycare is kind of like getting used to not working like, you know, seven to four or whatever, like you do in sort of a traditional job. Like, you know, I, I go to yoga twice a week at 10 a.m. Like I didn't do that before, but that's pretty sweet um <laughs> to be able to do. And kind of getting used to not working nonstop during those hours and just, you know, letting, like making it work for you, which is, which is so great for anyone, but especially for me right now as, as a new mom.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Are you someone who enjoys kind of like every day being slightly different? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would get very, very bored if every day yeah. was the same. I rebel against too much routine. <laughs> if I try to like yeah, really? micromanage myself. That's fine.
1: Yeah, that's funny because I do love routine, like overly love routine. But I guess when it comes to every day, it has to be different. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, I know neither of us probably are really in the season of like mega growth, but where do you kind of envision things going over the next few years?
1: Uh, you know, I don't know <laughs> I feel like I've kind of like hit all my goals like this this dietitian stone course was my big like this is what I want to do um, I t- just did it literally this week and so you know I have to kind of like take a step back and like look at the big picture now I think and see where do I want the kidney dietitian to go you know I've I've dabbled with the thought of hiring other dietitians to see patients because I don't want to see patients necessarily myself so maybe that. I'm maybe doing more courses, um, either for patients or dietitians. I'm not really sure, but
0: yeah. So I'm, I'm not really sure. (laughs) Well, the best part is you have options.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Lots, lots of options. I need to do some soul searching and, and looking at like the data that I have for like where my money is coming from and what kind of is gonna be like, make the most of my time. Yeah.
0: Do you get a lot of inquiries from people wanting one-on-one?
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, Yes. I would say at least like four a day.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely relate to that. Like, I'm not really the stuff I'm publishing now is not like MNT folks at all. But when that was more like the angle, yeah, like a lot of people asked, Do you work with people? Can I work with you? And it's yeah. Like, yeah. No, and I, didn't. I have to
1: like fend people off, which seems so silly. Like, you know, it feels like you're just turning down income, but, but that's not what I want to do. You know, right. I have to stay steady. Yeah.
0: No, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So I guess. A really great way to round out this interview today might be to kind of share your top three pieces of advice for RDs who might be listening who really resonate with your journey and they're like, wow, this is inspiring. I could see myself totally trying to set up the same sort of business. What advice would you give them if they're starting today?
1: Yeah. So I can just speak from my experience, of course, I'm sure everyone is different, but I would say number one is to get help with SEO because like you can, I'm sure Google all these things and you could figure it out yourself, but it would take you years And so and probably would not be very good. So I would say get help if you are interested in starting with a blog and make sure that you have a good foundation of SEO so you can get going and hopefully qualify for Mediavine in that year and a half like I did. Because if you if you are doing this blog and you don't have a good SEO strategy, like what's the point? Like no one's going to read it. You know, it could be fun and like that's cool, and you know your family can read it, and that's fine if that's your goal. But if you really want like to get lots of eyeballs on it, then then definitely make sure that you have a good foundation with SEO my second piece of advice would be to not be afraid to niche down. Like we talked about, you can always change what you are doing later. Like there's no rule book. You can do whatever you want out here in in this world. You're not working for anyone. So, so don't be afraid to niche down. Um, And even like as, as uh, specific as you can get, like I said, I I started out doing just kidney stuff in general. And um, I probably would have been more successful even earlier if I would have done just kidney stones right out of the gate. But I'm very happy with, (laughs) with where I've been so far. Um, And then my last thing would just be um, to start daydreaming about ways that you can monetize now. Like there's so many different things and people are doing so many cool things and, you know, unique ways of, of making money and helping people out there. And so just start thinking about all the things that you could do, right. Be, be curious and yeah, just, just start thinking about it. because You can do
0: it. (laughs) Yeah. And I love your tidbit that you shared earlier where like, you're kind of like just keeping an eye on like what other people are doing for inspiration. Like not it doesn't you don't only have to look at people serving the same niche as you. It's like look at totally different niches and what kind of offerings are they creating or and would you be able to adapt that to your space? I think that's always a great idea too, and even mm-hmm. outside of dietetics, like just yep, absolutely online Probably business in general.
1: <laughs> yeah, honestly, I feel like you know dietitians are kind of all the same. <laughs> exactly. So you could get a unique
0: perspective outside of the dietitian
1: world.
0: Great. Well, that was really helpful, and thank you for sharing all the details. Um, and your just your journey in general and the timeline. I, I really, genuinely like. That's not that long of a time period to be able to qualify for a media bind. So like really, really good job. Yeah. And where should people go if they want to follow along and connect with you further?
1: So if you want to check out my website, um, that is the dietitian.org. Um, I'm also on Instagram at thekidneydietitian with periods in between each of those words. Um, And if you want to check out that dietitian stone course, um, I actually have a coupon code. um, So if you use coupon code SEO through May 10th of 2023, um, you'll get 10% off that dietitian kidney stone course if you are at all interested in kidney stones and listening to this podcast. Yeah. So
0: like who's the right who's the ideal buyer for that?
1: Yeah, I would say any dietitian who works with people who have kidney stones, which is a lot of us, 10% of 10% of the population will have a kidney stone at some point in their life, just a lot of people. And so, yeah, if if you're at all interested, I just think that dietitians don't know anything about kidney stones, right? Like I barely knew you had to drink more water when I graduated, right? (laughs) Like it's just not part of our curriculum and and there's really a ton to know. So yeah, so I wanted to uh, help dietitians
0: learn a little bit more about that. Great. Well, thank you for sharing all of your resources and your journey. We'll have to connect again and see where you are in a couple of years. Sounds good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> thank you for having me.